Hey everybody out there in Heartbeat City, this is Cozy Snugglefield with a special and sort of sad announcement. A couple of things. First, I apologize for the length of time it took to get this episode out. As you will hear, uh, as you listen to it, there are a lot of problems with the audio in this. Uh, this is actually the second recording of this episode. The first recording, um, we lost our guest audio. Uh, so we had, had to reconvene to recreate that. There are also numerous technical glitches. I did the best I could in uh, kind of meticulously editing that down, but you will hear occasionally a uh, an audio glitch, some kind of background noise, some roboting and echo on my voice, and I do apologize for that. That is due to a uh, some technical problems we are unable to control. Um, second, uh, as of this season, this is the last episode of Heartbeat City uh, in this format. So the format has proven difficult to do. Uh, I've talked about that elsewhere, but uh, I figure it also belongs on this episode. Um, it is difficult to do. It just does not sustain itself very well as far as generating questions and generating content. Uh, but uh, And it has not quite found an audience, which is fine. We don't really do things here uh, at WDFD here for the numbers, uh, but it is, uh, it's still something where you don't want to put a lot of effort into something um, that is failing to find any real traction. However, because there are people who do love the show and people who are listening and who I really appreciate, and because I'm proud of the show, uh, I'm going to be retooling it as a quarterly broadcast um, that has a different format. That format will be me and a guest, a guest that has been on the uh, the show before, Madeline, um, kind of talking about subjects in the world of love, romance, and dating um, as kind of a round table style discussion where we talk about uh, different subjects. So one episode might be on polyamory, one episode might be on uh, different dating, online dating platforms, um, things like that. Uh, that'll be quarterly, and at the end of those episodes, we will answer your questions. So your questions are still welcome. This episode, like every episode, calls for air, ends with a call for questions. That is still open. You can still write in or call in um, at gary at duckfeed.tv or 1502-69HBeat. Both of those are still welcome, and they will end up in our quarterly roundups. Uh, yeah, so uh, thank you very much for listening and for the support the show has gained. In the time it's been running regularly, um, I do believe it is a success. A success. I'm very proud of the show. Um, it is just uh, time to move on to a different style. And I think we saved a very good episode for last. Uh, so please enjoy the season finale of Heartbeat City. Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV Out! For those fireballs, Heartbeat City Taking your call, suffering. Duck feed, duck feed. And now, from WDFD the Duck, it's Heartbeat City with Cozy Snugglefield. Cause somebody out there feels lonely, and we're here.
welcome to Heartbeat City. I am your host, Cozy Snugglefield. We are here in the studio taking your letters, healing your hearts. This week, I am joined by Jen Burlton, who is the executive director of Trans- the Transactive Gender Center. Jen, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Cozy. How are you doing today? I'm well. I'm well. I've just uh, just been here a nice rainy day in the studio. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh I'm just sitting here on my uh on my rear patio um overlooking the uh the beautiful city and um pondering the meaning of life. Yeah. It's a good it's a good day for that. Keeps me off the tough streets. Yeah. <laughs> the uh did you um now did you have any so you're on the on the patio here in the studio uh kind of talking did you have any problem finding the studio? Did you get here okay? I didn't. I didn't. Of course right. I was I was kidding about where I was. Well, the uh, we, we've got a section here that kind of overlooks the city. I thought maybe you referred to that. Well, yeah. I, I've, I've seen that and everything, and yes, it's lovely. And um, the studio is great. I just, you know, I just had to remember to to change the get on the right bus after the second transfer from the covered wagon. But um, but now we're good. Yeah, the transit system in Heartbeat City is really bad. I uh, and that's a metaphor, probably. For something, I don't know. Uh, it sounds like a lyric. I, I would call it eclectic. I'm not sure I'd call it bad, but it's eclectic. It's very charitable. Uh, for people who may not be uh, familiar with what you do, can you uh, briefly uh, just kind of say who you are and and uh, and what you do? Sure. Well, my name is Jen Peralton, and I am a woman of trans experience. I am a transgender woman, and uh, I do many, many things, have done many things in my life, including being a professional musician and working in the high-tech industry. But uh, for the last 11 years, I've really been primarily focused on doing advocacy, support, and education work, specifically around expanding inclusion for gender diversity and transgender identities in children and youth. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's uh, how I got to know you. Yes, and, it is. Uh, and such. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to having you on the show for, for quite a while. We'll go ahead and get uh, right into the questions we have here. Um, and I'll get us started here reading the first letter we have. Hey, Cozy. I'm a bisexual trans woman sitting on a long waiting list for hormones. I'm 23 now and have been single for a few years, only having one real romantic relationship in the past. When I decided I wanted to transition and started on the waiting list, I figured I'd wait until I had hormones and was actively transitioning before I took a look at the dating scene again. The limited dating pool of potential partners, straight women and gay men being out on account of not being a man, gay women and straight men being out on account of how I currently present, combined with just the baggage of transitioning, something I have no idea how to drop on someone, made me feel at the time it wasn't worth it. But it's been two years, and I'm still waiting for a prescription on account of how bad Ireland's trans healthcare is. And while I feel my youth is slipping me by not being able to transition, I'm starting to feel the same way about not pursuing romance. But I still feel that I'm not in a good place to start a relationship. I know there's no correct or easy answer in my situation, but I was hoping you and your guest might have some advice on this. Am I making a horrible mistake by making myself so unavailable? Or is recognizing this as something I want in the future, but not something I'm actively pursuing now, the right call? And that is signed, Waiting in the Emerald Isle. And Jen, what are your, what are your initial thoughts? Well, I think, first of all, I'm, I'm jealous that Emerald Isle is in lovely Ireland. Um, and, uh, so I would love to 
come there personally and be able to sit down and chat with you about this Emerald Isle. Um, but I, I, I totally understand, you know, this, this whole thing about depending on what current position you're in with regard to how you feel about your body and where your body is, is at in relationship to um, your gender identity and gender expression and the sense of who's going to love me and, and accept me as I am at any given moment. Um, mm-hmm. It's a big issue for, for, for trans all kinds of trans people, in this case, a trans woman. So I guess I guess the first thing I'd respond to Emerald Dial specifically though is that I think you may be limiting yourself a little bit by so definitely defining um, the types of people that other people are interested in. For for example, you you say you know a, a straight woman um, or a gay man wouldn't be interested. Well, um, I, I'm sure that I'm. I'm pretty sure that's generally um, an absolutely spot-on observation. At the same time, I know plenty of supposedly straight women that um, that are, you know, open enough to meeting somebody new and taking a, a chance and seeing where that goes. So I wouldn't necessarily put yourself in a corner. As uh-huh. to who's available to you, based upon really strict definitions of who or what people are attracted to. Yeah, it's a spectrum, you know. So, so people are uh, are attracted to to all kinds, you know, of other people. Some people identify very strongly on one end of the stru- spectrum, and some people do not. You know, so somebody who might uh, identify in one way uh, might have a uh, you know kind of a hard time with that. Who you know, you're right. There are probably people for whom. This assumption is true, but you can't make – there's a diverse enough um, kind of spectrum of attraction that's not going to be true for everyone. And you know, um, Absolutely. And, and um, there a lot of the women that you may think or perceive of as being exclusively straight may in fact be bisexual or pansexual. Mm-hmm. And maybe that – maybe they've just not shared that aspect of their um, – orientation with you or maybe they haven't had the opportunity to meet someone through which they could explore that aspect of their own sexuality mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so you want to kind of stay keep, keep yourself available to where somebody else is at to see you and go hey emerald isle you're kind of looking like like a little a little nice thing that i would like to get to know today and we'll take it from there a snack a snack, yeah. a tasty as, morsel, yeah, as the kids as the kids say, a morsel. The um, another thing too that I, I picked up on in this letter that I think is worth pointing out is that, um, and I know this this can. Whenever I was young and heard this, it sounded condescending, and I don't want you to think I'm being condescending. Um, you were only 23. It's very young, you know, and I know that it doesn't feel that way, but it is uh, your your youth is not passing you by. Um, you know that that is a that's a fake idea. And it doesn't mean that your feelings aren't real about that, but just that you, you have time, you know, um, don't feel like you're running out of time. Feeling like you're running out of time is kind of a bad motivator to go in either direction. I feel like in this, especially kind of at that age, like it's very, it's very young. So again, it doesn't mean your feelings aren't real with that, but it does mean that you do, you have, you know, a lot more time than maybe you're giving yourself credit for. 
And Cozy, I think you're right, right on the money there. Also, I didn't really hear, although I'm making an assumption from Emerald Isle's email, they didn't really state, oh, I guess they did right in the beginning, I'm bisexual. Okay. So mm-hmm. they're, so they're open to relationships. You may want to explore or think a little bit also about the concept of pansexuality. And, mm-hmm. and, and you may already have, so I don't presume that you haven't. But recognizing that, um, there are more and more people that are exploring the notion of pansexuality as opposed to sort of specifically bisexual, which by its nature just means either with men or with women, um, as opposed to being with people that may have a blend or mixture of identities and sexual orientations. Um, and there is a fairly large pansexual community out there. I'm not sure exactly where it is for you in Ireland, but look into... Look into pansexual identities um, because those may be some of the folks that will be definitely more open to having relationships mm-hmm. with um, with diverse people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's definitely something that I've noticed a lot more. So, as somebody who does um, who primarily dates online, that's one of the few places that people will just kind of state, you know, their their, their uh, kind of preferences. And uh, so, I know that I have seen pansexual or sapiosexual. Um, which is yes. uh, not a, you know, not exactly the same thing, but um, could also fall, you know, a lot of these same things would be true for that, show up a lot more uh, than I have in the last, you know, six years that I've, I've been doing this, which is a depressing number now that I say it out loud. But the, uh, <laughs> the um, uh, but, you know, for, for as long as I've been doing this, um, the uh, I've noticed that, a pro, you know, a, a market increase in that. Um, so just know that that is, uh, you know, some of those definitions are, you know, people are being a little bit less like strict with those, and that is good. Like that can, can only, you know, um, let people um, let people want what they want. You know, worry worry kind of about what you want. If you feel like putting, if you decide to put yourself out there, you know, don't don't assume that there's not going to be anybody out there who's for you. People want, you know, there there is a, a infinitely wide kind of a array of desires. Absolutely, and so, cozy. Yeah. Since you brought it up, I'm going to go ahead and out myself as someone who is indeed sapiosexual. There we are. Yeah. Tell folks what that is. <laughs> yeah, I you would I don't I would much rather ha- be much more comfortable with you defining it than me as uh I think I have an idea but I don't want to step on any toes. So so my understanding of sapiosexual at um at its most basic level is that you're attracted to somebody else's intellect. And by that I don't necessarily mean like you're attracted to anybody who's in Mensa. But you're, mm. but but everything that goes into the intellect. So the way that people think, the way that they communicate, um, their their entire thought process, and which is kind of what they bring um, intellectually into relationship conversations and building of relationships. And so you're attracted to their intellect and their and their personality because that's part of your intellect. Um, rather than specifically to certain body parts. Yes, yeah, that that is very close to my understanding, if uh, if not exactly my understanding. I apologize for a little noise in the background here in the studio, some construction going on in another office here. Um, but yeah, that is my my understanding as well. So that would be something where, um, you know, you are kind of, uh, you know, if you think you are on the menu for 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 people for whom that is true, you know. So um, I would keep the, keep those things in mind. Um, and I do, you know, and, and oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to also just say just real quick, just so it doesn't, uh, we don't get off this letter without saying it. Like I am sympathetic to the situation. I am, you know, I can't understand exactly how frustrating it must be to be on that long waiting list and have that be uh, a concern, you know, uh, that has to be incredibly tough. And I, I'm really sorry that you're going through that. As am I. And I will also share with, with you, Emerald Isle, that, um, I am, uh, in a very, I'm a, I'm an older woman at this point in time, but I am uh, now in, in the going into the 36th year of my relationship with my life partner, who is also a woman. And when we met, um, she was a straight woman. She had never been in a relationship with a woman. She had specifically never been in a relationship with a trans person. And um, we just found that we were perfect for each other. So I guess I'm kind of a, a, a living example of look for the right personality to connect with. Don't necessarily eliminate certain groups from who you're looking at. And be safe out there, though. Be safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Safety above all. Agreed. letter. Hello Cozy. I've loved all of your podcasts for years. I recently came out as a transgender male to female and my relationship ended in a horrible way. But now I know what is wrong with my body and what I hate. How do I even start dating when I hate my body this much? I don't know if this is a good place to ask, but you guys have always been trans right supporters. Thank you very much. Thank you for the kind words. Um, yeah, we're, uh, so this question, it's a little bit related to the first one, but it's um, a little bit more pointed. Um, where to kind of start in the world, you know, if you feel, you know, you want to date, that's something you want, and you are having this experience, um, this kind of relationship with your body, where to start, um, how, how to kind of navigate that. What are, what are your thoughts, Jen? Well, Cozy, and um, I noticed that our, this, um, this individual did not give us their name, so... Um, Honey, lots of us have, um, you don't have to be a trans woman to not be happy with your body. Um, and this is not to minimize what you shared whatsoever. I've experienced that too. When I was, certainly when I was younger, um, I wondered, geez, I, I, I don't like my body. I'm probably giving off signals to people that I'm not comfortable in my own flesh. And who's ever going to want to put up with or deal with somebody whose body is sort of this mishmash or this mix of of different traits and different parts and things like that. 
Um, so I think, I, I think the first step is, is that, is that, you know, to find a way to figure out that nobody has the perfect body that they want. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're all being, we're all judging ourselves based upon, uh, unattainable, idealistic, um, models that are presented to us through culture and things like that. Even if you aren't trans, you know, maybe you're overweight, maybe you feel like you're too tall, maybe you feel like you're too short, maybe you feel like your eyebrows are too bushy, maybe, you know, whatever it is. And so I, I would hope that perhaps you've got someone you can talk to about resolving your own um, discomfort with your body, uh, because that's going to be very beneficial to you in all aspects of your journey forward as a trans woman um, and just as, as a human being, is that recognizing that you have uh, a, a body that is unique to you and you have a personality that is unique to you and we're going to all make it through this world together. Um, uh-huh. One way or another, we're going to make it through this world together by finding a way to love ourselves. And then that will open the door to having other people be able to love us as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like that is something um, I'm glad you brought that up as, as not being unique. So I understand that it can be, um, you know, can be kind of extra challenging in this situation, but um you know, my just speaking for myself, like this is a relatable thing. Again, not trying to put myself on the same level or anything, but I also have body things. I don't know anybody who who doesn't to a degree. Um, so I don't say that to to minimize or to try to own any of this this trauma. I say it so you, perhaps the person who's writing, um, you understand that this is something that um, other people also feel. Um, you know, they, they might not feel the exact same way, but they also feel this is, you're not unusual for feeling this. It doesn't make you a freak or a weirdo to have these feelings. It's extremely normal. And it's not just normal to, uh, to a trans experience. It is a universal human thing, at least to some degree. Um, so know that, you know, when, when Jen, when you talk about people who, uh, might be your friends, you can be around, you can lean on those people and, and feel assured that on some level they have felt at least to some degree what you're feeling. Um, as just kind of a, a discomfort in their own self and, and again, maybe not to the exact same degree, but feel kind of a discomfort in themselves and kind of, uh, you know, it being a process to, to get comfortable within your own skin. Yeah, I think, I think that's right on the money. I mean, I, uh, cozy what you said, you know, realizing that more people share this, um, insecurity about their, their relationship with their own body is that, Maybe that will help you find other people that you can talk to that are even beyond and outside of the trans experience and find out really how much you have in common with, with folks that themselves are not trans, but that you're all sort of sharing this. And, you know, I'm not sure I'm, I'm not as attractive to myself as I'd like to be. And so I don't feel Mm -hmm. attractive to other people. And I think that will help you find community. The other thing I would suggest is that in your letter, um, in your note, you say that you know what is wrong with your body and what you hate. And so um, do you have a plan for how you're going to resolve that? Um, have you given mm-hmm. any thought to that, whether it's your weight? Um, and I'm not making any judgments here. I'm, 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 I think people should be whatever way they're comfortable being. But I mm-hmm. think tackling more, um, perhaps resolving the things that you don't like, and putting your energy into that 
um, might give you some 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 more peace and a sense of having some control. Uh-huh. Control, but you know, would be a big one, I would think. You know that and. Um, is, are there any, um, specifically for somebody who is in this situation who is trans, are there any kind of specific, um, like exercises or tactics or mindsets, um, that you know of to kind of, kind of, um, to help with, uh, you know, this, this kind of feeling of, it's not dys- dysmorphia. Like I understand what dysmorphia is. It's adjacent to it though. Um, yeah. Is there anything, anything specific that, um, you know, you've run into in your work? Um, as far as uh, helping people, as far as specific tactics. Yeah, that's that's a great question. I, I think th- I think one of the first things that it's important to do is to decide: Are you unhappy with the fact that um, your body is not, um, as you would define it, a woman's body in general, or that it's not a specific kind of woman's body? So in other words, look around you. Look around. There are all kinds of women with all different types of shapes and sizes. There are tall women. There are short women. There are heavy women. There are, there are thin and light women. There are women with deep voices. There are some women with facial hair. Um, very common in certain ethnicities to have, have some facial hair. So there's lots of different ways to be a woman. And I think, I think one of the things that's really helpful is, are you, sort of feeling um, oppressed by not being able to be the stereotypical type of beautiful woman that culture expects every woman to be? Or is it more centered on the fact that your body is really not in alignment with what your gender identity is? Um, And then just focus on being the best woman that you can be without holding yourself up to any particular um, expectations of what look that has, um, because that's that's an that's an unattainable goal for every every one of us for every woman. Um, it's yeah, a, yeah. It's a treadmill that if you get on that treadmill, you're never going to get off that treadmill because there's always going to be somebody else that is others would consider more beautiful than you, um, and that's a very super um, superficial. Um, goal to pursue. <clears throat> yeah, that's a that's a great point. Like both of those points. Like one, you know, if you are just trying to, if you think of uh, this as a qualitative measure, and you are just trying to get up a rung on a ladder, um, those people who are up at that rung are looking up at the next rung of the ladder. You know, like the, the realization. You know, this has come up for me um, more in terms of like looking at people's like personal success, but I think it's true of multiple different um, metrics of quality or advancement. Where um, everybody who I admire, who I think made it, has not made it. They don't feel that way. They look up to the next person. I think that's true in almost any sphere. Um, definitely in terms of kind of physical physical beauty. Um, the other thing too, to your point, um, if it is just a, a matter of looking, um, you know, what you consider to be something that matches your your gender identity, like there are just like the diversity of people is huge. Like there are just so many different types of people um, out there. Um, you know, and just, if, if you go to, go, go to an airport and just, uh, just kind of look, you know, at the, at the, you know, the diversity of the types of, uh, kind of people that are, you know, that are women or men or, or anywhere in between, um, you know, uh, what that, that can look like, the, the sky is kind of the limit, 
there's a lot of possibility space there. Absolutely. If 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 you're if you're and and we're not assuming that you are, so we're speaking in the universal here. But if someone is just watching entertainment tonight and thinking mm-hmm. that's what that's what I have to look like as a woman, um, then then we're we're all going to fall short of that. Mm-hmm. And and even the people that you see on there, they themselves think that they're falling short. They're always on this treadmill to do the next step. So I think, Gary, I'm sorry, I think, Cozy, you're right on the money. And um, just wish you a a lot of luck in first, uh, you know, recognizing what is your self-worth, what is your value, how beautiful are you um, in all of the different ways beyond the way your body looks, and um, pursue your journey at at your pace. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and and you know, hopefully, hopefully it helps. We that we both were rooting for you. Yes, absolutely. Finally tonight on Heartbeat City, our third letter. Sir Snugglefield, thank you for your help in this rather personal matter. I'm a gay trans woman. I've had multiple romantic relationships with cis women. In all of these, my partners have, one, strongly dissuaded any surgeries, including threatening to break up, and two, revealed that they were attracted to me because I was trans. I've had some minor success about point one through analogies slash education about trans bodies, but I've really struggled with point two and feeling confident slash safe in the bedroom. Are there any tips on either how to a partner uh, address these issues about with bodily autonomy or fetishization or how to work through these issues separately? Uh, This is signed, best tired of dealing with cis shit. So tired. I get it. Um, Been there. Um, while it, it can be fun to sort of feel like you're somebody's walk on the wild side, um, after a while, if you want to, to feel that the relationship is really building and getting serious, you want to know that they're attracted to you because of all of your qualities, not just your qualities that make you, um, uh, a, a, a unique, um, let's just say relationship experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I have a real problem, though, uh, I'll tell you, Tired, and I think you do, too, that um, laying down sort of either ultimatums or conditions um, upon, which the, the, upon which somebody else's love for you is tied specifically to a, a particular status of your body, 
I yeah. think I think it's pretty shallow. I mean, if oh oh yeah, if you just like look that. at yeah, if you look at it in a way that that's not trans related, I'm looking at your point number one: strongly dissuaded any surgeries, including threatening to break up. So essentially, what that is, I like your body just the way it is. I'm attracted <clears throat> to it just the way it is. Maybe because I fetishize it or whatever. But it's really no different than someone saying, "Hey, honey, I really love you a lot, but if you put on ten pounds, we're done." Yes. Yeah, yeah, and and it's so the something that I think of as a kind of a quick rule is like, no ultimatums, no tests. Yeah, you know, like that's not that's not healthy relationship behavior. The 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 kind thing to the the partner in point one, and this is the absolute benefit of the doubt that the person does not deserve, but is that you know, so we're all attracted to what we're attracted to. Um, it's I can imagine being with somebody where there could be changes, and then I would no longer be attracted to them, um, and I think that's fine. You know, like you, you can be attracted to somebody based on, you know, aspects of their body. That's okay. Um, one, it should probably be more than that. But more importantly than that, you just don't leverage that. You know, like that's the issue is, is the person then said, well, if you do this, then we break up and made it conditional. Once somebody make, gives you a conditional like that, then it is time to break up kind of no matter what. Um, it, is wor- it is worse than if you had just gone ahead and done the change and then you had, um, then they had broken up with you after that. Like, that's defensible. The first one is not. Absolutely. I mean, that, it's a power play. Yeah. You know, it's the power play is that, is that as long as I have the power to control how you are, then I will continue to grace you with my love and affection and presence. But if if you violate my my sense of control over how you are, then then I'm going to hold that hostage. I'm going to hold my love love hostage. The other part mm-hmm. is that um, the, the second part of your thing revealed that they were attracted to me because of being trans. Well, share this little bit of information with them. Guess what? No matter what I do with my body or don't do with my body, I'm still going to be trans. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a trans woman. I've had, you know, I don't share this all the time, but I think it's appropriate here. I've certainly had my my share of surgery that has modified my body to, to more closely match my gender identity. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm no longer a trans woman. Uh, I don't go around broadcasting that I'm a trans woman in, in daily life. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm still a trans woman. What they're really saying, it seems like, is they're not attracted to you because you're trans. They're attracted to you because you have this mixture of whatever part of femaleness that they're attracted to with a male appendage. Right, right. And that's that is most definitely fetishization. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I have no problem with people that have fetishes. Fetishes are fine. Whatever whatever, you know, floats your boat and toots your horn is is mm-hmm. great with me. The problem is though, it has to be a mutual enjoyment yes. or appreciation of the fetish between the couple, or if it's a polyamorous relationship, it can't be, I'm going, I fetishize this thing about you and you must maintain this, even though you might not be enjoying it as much as I do. That's, that's just creepy. So, so I'm glad you, you brought that up about uh, fetishization because I think it's very easy to kind of demonize that as a word, but it's only really bad if it is uh, one sided, I think. Um, and, you know, one sided as far as the comfort goes. 
you know, if somebody is comfortable with that, if it is a fetish that both people kind of uh, participate in, like you said, that is that is a okay. But do you think that that is different, or do you think that there are um, kind of different considerations con- considerations when that fetishization extends to like something as kind of elemental as a gender identity? Do you feel like that's different in this case, or do you think that the same kind of best practices and, and philosophies still apply? Oh, I think the same philosophies still apply. Look, there's there's a lot of different ways to be trans. There is no one particular way to be trans. There are some people that are very comfortable and happy identifying with their own trans identity and within the trans population in general that are comfortable with appearing a certain way um, externally, but also having... Um, body parts that don't necessarily conform to societal stereotypes for the way they appear. So in other words, I want to look like a woman, I want to live my life as a woman, I want to be perceived by other people as a woman, but I'm fine with still having a penis. Um, and that's fine. That's, that's, that's fine if that's what you want, if that's where you're at. And if you're fine with where that is, and you find somebody else who also is attracted to you for all of your other attributes... And an additional thing that makes you particularly attractive to them is that you are this wonderful mixture of these different characteristics. Then I think that I think that it's beautiful. But mm-hmm. but if the person is attracted to you primarily and specifically because of you have this sort of dichotomy between how you appear to the world and what your anatomy is, and they're so specifically attracted to that that it doesn't matter to them that maybe you're not comfortable and you want to resolve that dichotomy and create more congruence, then that is that is no longer just a mutual enjoyment of our of our shared unique unique identities. That's that's a conditional relationship. That is I I require you to stay to remain in a state that doesn't fulfill you simply because it fulfills me. Yeah. Yep. The, the, the mere fact that this feels uncomfortable, you know, to the person writing, to, to tired, is information. Like, this feels, it feels wrong. You know, a healthy relationship um, that has a, a kind of a fetish aspect to it and that won't feel bad, you know, in general. And, you know. and, and but, but I also want to acknowledge, I think, the other part in here um, is that when you do have a relationship, when you feel, as a trans person, you, we've all probably gone through this phase of, who will I ever find to be with me? Who will I ever mm-hmm. find to love me? And when you do find someone, it's such a relief that you found someone that it that even if it turns out to not be a perfect relationship, it can be hard to let it go. You can find yourself being the one that's willing to compromise more because you feel more vulnerable to um, to not being able to find anybody else. It's very much the same thing that keeps... All, all kinds of women and men too, um, in abusive relationships or relationships that are not really healthy. It's that, well, what if I don't find anybody else and maybe that'll even be worse than this, so better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, if if this person is sort of, they love you conditionally because you have a body part that you may or may not be comfortable with or you don't feel as congruent with your identity and they're sort of either actually or implying that they will leave you if that changes, then you need to move on. Yeah, that's a deal breaker. 
you know, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know necessarily know that that's something that can be educated past specifically because that has nothing to do with ignorance and more to do with kind of control. Um, yeah. So that's a, you know, um, as, you know, as with everybody, hopefully, hopefully we got to, got to the core of that. Um, you know, we're, and, and like everybody in this, this episode, we're definitely rooting for you. You know, sorry that you have to go through that. That, that sucks. Uh, and, you know, I hope that, uh, in the future, you know, the next time you find somebody, you know, who is a partner, regardless of, you know, the, their specific attraction to you, they, they honor or value your own needs above that. Um, and can have that degree of empathy that you need to be healthy. Um, Absolutely. So next time you write, we want to we want to hear we want to see you sign, energized and living in my own power. That's yeah. How we want you to sign off. Yeah. Still tired of of cis shit, but different cis shit. Yes. Yes. Dealing um, dealing with cis shit. Yeah. Um, that's that's actually I, I'm glad you brought that up. It's an idea I had um, for for anyone in this uh, episode, but also anybody who has written in before. Um, I'd love to do a follow up episode. So if anybody has any kind of follow up who has written in before, uh, please write in again and let us know uh, how things have have worked out. Um, for this episode, we're just about out of time. Um, Jen, where can people uh, find you online if they want to follow your work and find out more about you? Sure. Thanks, Cozy. Um, so they can find out a lot more about the work I do by going to transactivegendercenter.org. That's T-R-A-N-S-A-C-T-I-V-E, gendercenter, all one word, dot O-R-G. Um, they can also follow me on, on Facebook if they want to. I'm easy to find. Jen Burleton, B-U-R-L-E-T-O-N. And, um, just watch, you know, watch the police blotters and, uh, and the post office, yeah. <laughs> uh, cause I never know when my picture is yeah. going to show up on either one of those. Yeah. Yeah. It, if you, if you find Jen on Facebook, uh, warning, she takes no shit. So there, there's a lot of, uh, it is, it is, an, it is an angry Facebook page, which I love. So don't, uh, never change. I take no shit, cis or otherwise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's tired of all shit. And right. actually I, yeah. I do have a couple of profiles that are on Facebook. The one that is the real me is the one that has the inverted U.S. flag because I feel that mm-hmm. my country is in distress. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is, it is hell world right now. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there's lots of good things in individuals. Um, our systems are in collapse. Um, uh, so for any, anyone else, um, if you want to write in either with a follow-up or with an original question, please write in um, either at gary at duckfeed.tv or leave us a message at one five zero two sixty nine hb And uh, until next time, keep on feeling.
Heartbeat City is intended for advice only and is not responsible for the consequences of following any such advice. If you have questions for Heartbeat City, please call in at 502-69-HBEAT or write in at gary at duckfeed.tv. Heartbeat City is produced by Boxer Kwan and Bryce Salad. Thank you.